Well, good morning. Some of you know that I have three children, Clara, Henry, and Adele. And when they were little, I was always impressed by their laser-like focus. I would come into their room, they would be reading a book or playing with a toy, and I would tell them, dinner's ready, or it's time to brush your teeth and get ready for bed. I would then leave the room, and a few minutes later, I would realize that nothing had happened. So I'd go back in there, and I would say, what are you doing? I told you to come to dinner, or I told you to brush your teeth. And they would look up at me, confused, and say, I never heard you. When were you in my room? Now, after this happened many, many times, I began to realize that they really weren't trying to disobey me or ignore me, but rather they were so focused, so focused on that book or that toy that they couldn't see me or hear me, even though I was standing right in front of them. Now today, in our gospel passage, Jesus tells us the story of a man who is so focused on his life that he doesn't see what is happening around him. Jesus begins the parable, the story, by painting a picture. So imagine in your mind a big, beautiful home. And this home has a large iron gate surrounding the home to keep people out. Now, we know somebody's inside that home, but we don't see them yet. Instead, our attention is drawn to a man lying outside the gate. This man is pretty pathetic. His clothes are torn and dirty. He is swatting away the flies. We can tell that he's covered in these sores. And there's these dogs that keep coming up to him trying to lick the sores. He's pushing them away, but to no avail. This man is hungry, and he is hopeless. That's the first man we see. Then Jesus takes us inside that big house. And there we meet a second man. And this man is the polar opposite of the man we just saw. This man is covered in luxurious garments. He's got a staff to wait on him day and night. He's got everything he needs and more. Food, wine, clothes. This man lives a life of comfort and ease. So that's the first part of the parable. There's no dialogue here. Rather, Jesus is just painting this picture of disparity. The rich man is feasting, and the poor man is begging for crumbs. He's hoping that in the trash that comes out from the rich man's house, there might be something to eat. The poor man knows about the rich man, but it doesn't seem like the rich man knows about this poor man at his gate. Then we're told something happens. They both die, and all of a sudden we're taken into a different world. And we realize pretty quickly that we're looking at the afterlife. That big gate that was there before, the gate that separated 
the rich and poor man, the gate's gone. In its place now is this deep chasm. The two men are there too, but they have seemed to switch places. Now it's the rich man suffering, and the poor man is comforted. And more than this, the poor man is called by name. His name is Lazarus, which in Aramaic means God has helped. In the previous world, our world, everyone knew the rich man, and the poor man was overlooked. No one knew his name. But here things are reversed. The poor man does have a name. He's known, and he's resting in the arms of Abraham. Now, the rich man, he can see all this. He can see Lazarus and Abraham across this chasm, so he yells across it. He yells, Father Abraham, which is interesting. He recognizes Abraham as the father of his faith. This is a religious man. Father Abraham, he yells, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony over here. But Abraham says, no, it's time for Lazarus to be comforted. And he says, by the way, this chasm is just too wide. No one can pass over it. But the rich man doesn't give up. He says, well, Abraham, at least send Lazarus to my brothers so that they don't have to come to this place. But again, Abraham says, no. Your brothers, they've got everything they need. They know how to act. They've got the Bible, the law, the prophets. All they have to do is listen and obey. But the rich man pleads one last time. He says, no, Abram, you don't understand. My brothers are just like me. They're not going to change. But if someone comes back from the dead, that will be such a shock that will change them. But again, Abraham, for the third time, says, no. They have everything they need. If they don't listen to their Bible, if they don't listen to their preacher, they won't listen to someone from the dead. So that is the parable that Jesus gives to us this morning. And the question is, what do we do with it? I mean, why does Jesus tell us this parable? What's the application for us? I think, I think what we really need to focus on as we wrestle with this parable is we need to see the failure of the rich man. What is his failure? You know, the rich man, he's not a bad man. He's not. He's not actively hurting anyone. He's not lying or stealing or taking advantage of someone. He's just enjoying his life. He's not a bad man. This would be probably someone who would be nice to hang out with. That's not his failure. No, his failure, and again, I think this is the failure being lifted up by Jesus to us today. His failure is that he doesn't notice. The failure to notice. You know, he is so preoccupied with his life that he doesn't even see the man at his gate. And this failure to notice the failure to notice Lazarus, it carries on even after death. When you read the biblical commentaries on this passage, 
they make a big point about how the rich man treats Lazarus after death. Right? Remember, at this point, everything's been reversed. The rich man is at the bottom. And yet the rich man still doesn't notice Lazarus as a person, a person to be valued and considered. I mean, think about it. First of all, he never addresses Lazarus. He'll only talk to Abraham. And then second, when he talks to Abraham, he basically tells Abraham to make Lazarus his lackey. Get Lazarus to bring me some water. I'm thirsty down here, right? Have Lazarus cool my thirst. Or send Lazarus to my brothers. Make Lazarus make my brothers repent and change. He still doesn't see Lazarus as a person with needs and desires. He just sees him as a tool to get what he wants. And so what has happened in the parable, and and I, I think this is the scary part of the parable, is that the gate, you know, the physical gate that the rich man built, the gate that kept people out and kept their needs out, he didn't want to be bothered with that. This gate has been brought into eternity and has become a chasm. When God, God didn't dig this chasm, the rich man dug it in his life. And so this isolation of the rich man, this isolation finds its fulfillment in eternity. The rich man wanted to isolate himself from his neighbor and the needs of his neighbor. And guess what? He achieved it. Clarence Jordan in the Cotton Patch Gospel, he has this line connected to the parable. He says, You know, you better be careful how you dig ditches to keep people out. You might want to cross them yourself someday. Jesus is saying pretty clearly to us that we need to notice our neighbors and notice their needs, that we can't isolate ourselves. And, you know, this week, as I've been wrestling with this passage, thinking about it, two questions keep coming to my mind. The first question is, do I see the needs of my neighbor? Right? Am I aware of the burdens they carry? But the second question is this, and for me, this is the convicting question. Do I want to see the needs of my neighbor? Do I want to see the burdens that they carry. And if I'm honest, my gut response is no. No, because that seems way too overwhelming and I don't want to be responsible for those needs. And I'm not just talking about the needs of the poor, I'm talking about our needs, the needs of the person sitting next to you, your coworkers. Do you want to see the burdens that they carry Or would you rather not have to see it? The truth is, I mean, Jesus doesn't give us a lot of wiggle room in this parable. He says that we have to open our hearts to our neighbors and open our hearts to their needs. God has opened his heart to us. That's what we celebrate. That's our joy. That's our hope. God has opened his heart to us, and he expects us to open our hearts to those around us.
You know, in the parable, there's not a lot of hope for the rich man. The chasm is already dug, and Jesus says that there's no crossing over. And there's really not much hope for his brothers. Abraham is not going to send Lazarus, and it looks like their path is set. But there is hope for us. Jesus has told us this story so that we might hear it. He stands in front of us and he speaks. And he tells us that we have to start noticing. I need to start noticing what it's like to live with loss and grief. I need to start noticing what it must be like to live with chronic pain. What it's like to live with crushing poverty. I need to start noticing what it's like to have a child struggling with addiction. What it must be like to live as an adult with the terrible effects of childhood physical abuse. I need to start noticing what it's like to have no hope. I have to start noticing so that I can help and bear the burden of my neighbor. St. Paul puts it this way in Galatians. He says, Bear one another's burdens, and you will fulfill the law of Christ. And I'll add that the scriptures, the way the scriptures see this happening, is that we start here with these relationships. And then as we learn how to bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we can go out into the world and do the same. That's how we grow into this. You know, this parable, it has a lot about the afterlife in it. But the truth is, this parable isn't really about what happens when we die. It's a parable about how we must live today. And Jesus calls us, quite simply, to notice. To notice our neighbor, to notice the person sitting next to us, and to make room in our hearts for them. Amen.